Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Mystery to Me podcast. I'm Anya Kane. And I'm Kevin Greenlee. And we love movies and television shows with a whiff of mystery. Mystery to Me will feature us riffing on murder mysteries, film noir, cozy detective stories, police procedurals, psychological thrillers, legal dramas, tales of teen sleuths, and more. Once we're done yucking it up about whatever we've just seen, we'll serve up our five-star final takes on whether it's worth your time. If you're offended by silliness, profanity, political asides, canine-related interruptions, and losers laughing at their own bad jokes, beware. Also note that some of the stories we'll be talking about are pretty dark, and in some cases exceptionally badly written. So content warning for murder, violence, suicide, torture, rape, racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, and bigotry. If there's a movie or show you'd like for us to talk about, email us at mysterytomepodcast at gmail.com. Our show's take on genre is pretty loosey-goosey. So as long as your suggestion has some dash of mystery, we're interested in hearing about it. Spoiler alert! We're going to be discussing the entirety of this show or movie, spoilers and all. So if you want to be surprised... Press pause, go watch the thing, then join us for the show. Now that you've heard our spiel, go ahead and polish off those magnifying glasses and slip into your favorite trench coat. Let's get mysterious. what do we watch well kevin we just watched beverly hills cop a 1984 uh, buddy cop action film starring eddie murphy so what is your history with this picture i believe you said you saw it when it was originally released in the theaters and you remember going to school as a young man afterwards wearing your mumford phys ed t-shirt with pride what isn't that what you said or was that me what's your what's the mumford thing 
Well, as you notice, you just watched this picture through uh, at least half of the movie. Eddie Murphy is wearing a T-shirt that says Munford Phys wow. Ed Department because that's the name of a school in Detroit. And the movie was so popular that people wanted to buy these T-shirts. And it helped, uh, as I recall, it helped the school generate some income. Wow. So you actually, did you, are you reference? Are did you get a T-shirt when you were a kid? Of course. You did? Yes. Oh my God. You're yeah. such a Beverly Hills cop stan. I love it. Yeah, I'm so old. I saw this in the original. I saw this in the theater. He's like, ancient folks. <laughs> He's old man time with a wizened long beard. <laughs> came out 38 years ago. Shit. That's crazy. I uh, did not see it 38 years ago. Why not? Were you asleep uh, at the switch? Yeah, I guess so. I wasn't really doing much back then. I watched it, I think, in high school at some point. Uh, we went through a phase as a family where we'd like watch like a bunch of like types of movie. And at one point, like 80s cop movies was the movie Du Jour. And so we watched this one. Do you remember what your, impre- what your family's impression of I it was? I don't remember what my family's impression was. I remember I thought... I was thinking it was going to be like more laugh out loud funny, and it wasn't. But I remember enjoying it. I remember at the time, I thought it was really laugh out loud funny, and I remember, (laughs) and I remember, and I remember at the time, uh, it was kind of a a quirky little news item. Oh, Beverly Hills Cop was originally written for Sylvester Stallone, and thinking, wow, how could Sylvester Stallone do this laugh out loud movie? And watching it now, you can you can see it. It's not. It's not really a comedy. It's not a comedy. It's like more of an action film. And, uh, and I'm going to say that with the caveat, I like this movie. I, I thought I think it's a, I, I enjoyed it. It's not a perfect movie by any means. Some things really age poorly. Some things go on too long. But generally, I find it to be a likable movie. I'm not stunned by it, but I enjoy it. It's something to watch. It's interesting how things are paced differently these days. Because I remember the time thinking that the uh, chase scene that opens the picture was very exciting and dramatic. Yeah, now you're like, okay. And now it was like a ballad (laughs) or something. It was just very uh, stately paced and went on Checking your watch. And a lot lot of the movie feels like that. Maybe it's paced for an audience without such attention, you know, deficit issues. Because I, I felt that to a couple of points. I'm like, this is pretty good. And then it went on a little too long. And I'd be like, all right, we get it. you know. But I think maybe for the time, it was probably pretty pretty exciting. And yeah, just some of the pacing is a little slow. Some of the some of the stuff is just, I mean, there's like some homophobia in it that really ages poorly. That's but, very unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. But but generally, you know, it's a pretty like light, zippy action film. It's It's definitely... It's and it's got it definitely has some has some good points. So I could understand why it was received so well, you know, back in the day. So I'm Huge I'm into hit. it. I'm I'm into it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good aside from some of those issues that we talked about and I could understand why it was Eddie Murphy's uh, star turn. Yes. Yeah, cuz you, you cause he's a lot of personality and it, it's just it's not that it's not that he's unfunny or like it's aggressively not funny. It's just more of like it's not the sort of broad humor that you'd almost expect. You know what I mean? Like, like, like it's it's like there's some silly moments. I laughed a few times, but it wasn't like a oh my god, I'm dying. You know, kind of thing. It was like you laughed and then I saw you wipe away a tear. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was welling up with emotion. It's so true. It's just like my life. <laughs> 
And and and, and this is, has the kind of the syndrome of like. You, sometimes a movie comes and does something new and it's kind of cool and everyone's like nice and then a lot of movies sort of like do something very similar and I don't know for a fact but I imagine you know I'm, I imagine like a lot of buddy sort of comedy like we have to learn to work together even though we're different kind of takes some cues from this it didn't really feel like this movie did anything new even at the time okay really it's okay. like this unorthodox cop who makes his own rules a buddy of his gets killed so he goes to uh Beverly Hills to investigate the crime. He's a fish out of water. Who would have thunk this working class fella is going to go to where all the rich people are and he's going to show them how things are really done. <laughs> what? And he wins them over with his homespun Detroit ways. And he ends up wrapping up the whole case and going home a hero. One thing I liked was that sometimes in fish out of water stories, like the fish has to learn how to adapt and like, you know, in this case, Eddie Murphy's just doing his Eddie Murphy thing. Like, he doesn't have to, like, pretend to be a fancy guy to, like, win over the, the fancy cops. He just does his own thing. I, I like that. I actually like that. So I, I give it respect for not having that. But I think... Would it have been more interesting... Character development. If Mr. Murphy was more of a fish out of water who had to struggle a bit? Because it's like he goes to Beverly Hills... And instantly is the smartest person there. He's able to con hotel operators. He's able to completely master every situation he's in. And isn't some of the fun out of a fish out of water scenario is watching a person who we know is master in one domain kind of struggle a bit to adjust to another. Um, but I mean, given the racial dynamics of what you're saying, like, no, he shouldn't have to change his personality just to. Not deal changes, with not, white people. Not, yeah. not change his <laughs> That's personality. What I think you're, well, okay. Some character development would have been nice, but I, I, I think generally I don't think it, it needs to be like you need to suck up to the rich people to, you know, like make it by. I don't think that's a good lesson. And given that it's set in Beverly Hills, that feels like ultimately that's what you'd be saying if it was like, okay, now I need to learn to eat with the fancy salad fork. or something. I mean, that's just ridiculous. It's just like a Mark Twain type fantasy where the homespun person goes and instantly masters and shows up all the snooty folk. I guess I don't really have a huge problem with that narrative, frankly. Maybe maybe it's a little bit uh, trite, but I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's necessarily like harmful or anything like that. And we are reminded again and again and again that Murphy's character is a brilliant, flawless cop. Like he goes to a bar and he instantly spots the two guys are about to pull out huge weapons to commit uh, a huge robbery at a very small, seedy establishment for some reason. And he's able to foil it. Yeah. And and one thing that I mean, also in in. In like real life, you know, he's very he's very loose cannon cop, and like that. <laughs> I don't I don't know if that sells very well anymore. Where it's like, yeah, we'll just we'll forget the search warrants, and it's like, no. <laughs> um, but you know, one thing I loved about this movie, I mean, killer fucking soundtrack, right? They got the Heat song. Everyone's always singing about the Heat. Got the Axel F song, the Synthy song. I'm just like, yeah. That's like a great 80s cop anthem, I think. Like Axel F. 80s, 80s buddy cop movie music. This this might be. It's pretty great. You keep on talking about 80s buddy cop movies. Is this a genre that you love? Not really. Are you a big fan of like a Red Heat? I mean, not really. I We watched this and we watched like a lot of the Lethal Weapon movies, which I frankly didn't care for like at all. What about them uh, Lucky Cold? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I, I just, it. 
I was I don't know what I was expecting, but I was expecting something more fun and they just I was expecting like fun eighties cheese. Give me exa- what movie were you expecting to see when you went to see Lethal Weapon? I don't know. Like a red heat? The fuck okay, what you you obviously <laughs> want to talk about red heat. I don't want to talk what, about red heat. What the fuck is red heat? I feel like you just made up that title. <laughs> Well, that's obviously what you were expecting. What? What's red heat? Now you have to fucking sit here and explain what that is. Isn't that the uh, movie where I believe it is a young James Belushi uh, teaming up with your good friend Mr. Schwarzenegger as uh, a Soviet cop and a Chicago cop have to team up to solve a crime. Jesus Christ. So that's what you think of as your uh, favorite uh, ideal, your platonic ideal of a buddy cop picture. Uh, platonic ideal? I mean, no, I because I've never seen Red Heat. <laughs> the movie you're apparently obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin's gonna go uh, rush off to the bedroom after this to write some Red Heat fanfics. <laughs> you know, I just you kind of just expect like kind of silliness, I think, and and this movie definitely has some silliness. But I remember just the Lethal Weapon stuff. I was just like, I was unimpressed. I don't know. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember thinking like, oh, this will be kind of silly and fun, and it can be like, hmm, oh, okay. <laughs> But, you know, yeah, with this one, I also, yeah, I didn't think it was funny, but I thought there was enough silliness in it. Okay, it's kind of, it has a light touch, I think, generally, which is, which is appreciated, even though there's troubling implications about how the law is treated, but. The story's not really all that interesting, because Eddie Murphy's always in full control mm-hmm. of every situation he's in, and also because it's very apparent early on exactly who was responsible for the murder of his friend. So it's not like we have to figure it out or have any red herrings or TV's anything. TV's Jonathan Banks. <laughs> yes, who was working for uh, Victor Maitland. Right, right. You, of course, remember Jonathan Banks as Frank McPike from your favorite show, Wise Guys. Oh, you love the wise guys. Knights in white satin, baby. <laughs> Vinny Terranova. He played uh, Frank McPike in... Uh, who was the supervisor of, uh, we're going off on a tangent. A very intense, balding man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, say it. <laughs> Nothing. I'm just pointing that out. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> say it. No, I'm just. You don't have the guts. I, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know why you would be taking offense to such a statement. You're chicken. <laughs> or Marty McFly, you. <laughs> I don't. I. I'm sure I have no clue what you're talking about. And uh, yeah, he he. Uh, Eddie Murphy is a wisecracking cop. He has a wisecracking ex-con best friend, and then Jonathan Banks comes in and kills his friend. And so that's what starts off the plot. He goes to Beverly Hills to investigate because his friend was working in Beverly Hills. So let me ask you this: uh, Why did they kill the best friend? Because when you commit, they have this perfectly fine smuggling operation yep. going on. Yep. They're getting away with it scot-free. They're making a mint. They're on top of the smuggler's world. They don't suffer from uh, the smuggler's blues. Everything is going fine for them. Right. 
uh, Eddie Murphy's friend steals a small amount from them. So then they track him down to Detroit and murder him. And obviously, In front of a cop. And obviously, when you commit murder, you're attracting a lot more attention to yourself. In front of a cop. Why did they leave a witness? That's also an interesting question. Yeah, because they have, they can kill Eddie Murphy too, but they don't because they just, they just don't. Uh, I don't necessarily, they could, I mean, honestly, nobody seemed to be taking the case that seriously other than Eddie Murphy in Detroit. So they probably could have gotten away with it if they'd also executed him. But killing someone then leaving a witness, that seems like a bad so idea. So basically it sounds like what the message you want to convey to the kids. No, Is if you commit up. murder, don't leave any witnesses and you'll get away. I just, is that your message to the young people? I think when you're writing a character, you know, their decisions should make sense. And if someone's as cold-blooded as they're going to just execute this this person, I don't really think they're going to get that, you know, oh, well, this guy didn't have anything to do with it. That wouldn't be fair to him. If you were really worried about that, you wouldn't attack him in front of a witness. You'd wait till he was leaving for the night and then get him. And so, yeah, that felt unrealistic. And, uh, and generally, yeah, you don't want to bring down the heat on the uh, on your smuggling operation. Well, after they kill him, the heat is on. The heat is on, baby. <laughs> it's on the streets. I, I don't remember the lyrics. <laughs> if it's a good song. <laughs> we have fun. <laughs> so this guy is making this much money smuggling in drugs and art, I guess. I don't know. And in Beverly Hills... And so they got to they got to square up and he's just kind of your conventional evil kind of kind of seems maybe a little bit European bad guy, you know, making all these sneering threats. <laughs> uh, have you ever been to Beverly Hills? Uh, a long, long time ago. Was that to investigate your best friend's murder? Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Have you ever been to Beverly Hills? I've never been to Beverly Hills. My only exposure to Beverly Hills was watching Beverly Hills 90210 with my mom. So that's all I know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Are you telling me? Are you telling me right here, right now, you've never seen the Beverly Hills Billies? Um, I, no. I mean, not not really. Never met Uncle Jad. Nope. Never met Mr. Drysdale. And Mrs. No. Drysdale. Jane. Mm -mm. What about Jethro? I don't know if you knew this about me when we got married, but I'm not 100 years old. It's a fine uh, American television program. What I, about Granny? I just, I, no, I, I've seen the promos on MeTV. It's not something that I've seen. So you're saying you've seen the promos and mm -hmm. you thought, this, this show is not for me. What's the joke? They're poor and then they live in a rich neighborhood? Yeah, that's the joke. It's basically this. This is basically Beverly Hills Cop without the murders. <laughs> Some people from the country come to Beverly Hills and their wisecracking, homespun ways win everybody over. Uh, puncture the pomposity of the rich people in Beverly Hills, and then they have to go all in to get uh, take down an art dealer who's <laughs> smuggling in drugs. And the early seasons are charming. I know you you rave about it. You often quote it. You you uh, <laughs> seem to have taken a lot of the homespun wisdom to heart. But no, I've never seen it. Well, I, I think that should be remedied at some point in the near future. Okay.
The Great Fable. The Great Fable. <laughs> the Fable for our times. I, I yeah, I was I I remember Yeah. I remember when I watched it for the first time. Beverly Hillbillies? No. Beverly Hills Cop. I remember thinking, oh yeah, the East Coast version would be if they went to my home county, old Westchester. Tell the people about your home county. I recently heard somebody describe uh, your home county as a snooty area with mostly white people. That was a description I heard recently. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, I think that erases a lot of the multicultural areas and there's a large black community, the large Hispanic community, this Asian population. But generally, the perception is that uh, the snooty areas of Westchester are very white, very, very insular, very rich, and that's all. That's all fair. That's all true. In my experience, a lot of snooty assholes. That's what I say. So you'd love to see a sequel to this where Eddie Murphy comes to Westchester. Just fuck it right up. Get him, Eddie. <laughs> well, in this, the Beverly Hills cops are ultimately good because they kind of like, they come around, whereas. My experience with people in Westchester is they're very close-minded, so I don't know. So what sort of major crime could he foil in Westchester? White-collar crime. It's it's rampant. I knew people whose parents got golden parachutes. These people destroyed our economy in 2008. Where was anyone? When, yeah, yeah. Bring them in jail. Throw them in jail. Guillotines. They don't really make action comedies oh, about people. I would. White I would. That would be good. What would be the actor? Oh, watch this guy look at an, uh, go through an accountant's book. <laughs> Get yeah. him. Yeah. See, this is the problem in America, Kevin. Everybody's all, oh, you know, oh, like there's a crazy crime. Everyone's shooting each other. But the real crime is in those accounting books. They just blow your mind. <laughs> what would, what would, you, there's some bougie areas of, of your hometown. What would, what would, Columbus cop. <laughs> I happen to come from uh, Columbus, Indiana, which is more of a diverse community. Oh, please. Than... No, you, you, you've said this, like the first time I took you to Columbus through bizarre circumstances that I won't bother to relate. Mm -hmm. The first place we stop at is on the outskirts of Columbus, which is we, to go try to visit somebody who's living in a place little better than a dilapidated shack. Wild chickens are roaming everywhere. And that's Columbus, Indiana. And then when I go take it a little bit further into Columbus, Indiana, and there's like big mansions. So Columbus, Indiana has quite a range. I want to tell you, my hometown is a square mile. It was zoned in an order by a pharmaceutical exec in order to basically be a haven for rich white Protestants and then rich white Catholics as well. They let them in. And so basically... When, if you go miles out of town, you're in the you're in the Bronx, which has a lot of areas that are impoverished too. So it's not that different. The wild chickens that was within <laughs> the city limits. You remember that incident? I remember you were screaming. You're jumping in my arms, Scooby Doo style. <laughs> See, I don't remember any of that. Don't like your chickens, do you? No one likes to be inundated with hordes of. Wild chickens. They I don't were just think they around. were wild. I think they were just not in a cage. Isn't that the definition of wild? <laughs> Should I say they were feral chickens? They were loose chickens. Don't talk about their sexual morality. 
Jesus. So judgmental about the chicks. <laughs> Let them live their lives. Promiscuous poultry. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you're, what would, but I mean, what crimes would be in Columbus? People trying to deface local architectural marvels? Let, let me just take a minute to ask you this. Are you serious? Let me, let me start. M E T H. Oh. There's a lot of math in Columbus. <laughs> What is this, like a Sesame Street? <laughs> well, you've been there. I didn't do meth there. Oh, that's right. You didn't do any meth in Columbus. Not that's even right. once. Not even once did Anya do any meth in Columbus, Indiana, city limits. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. So at one point in the movie... Yes. Well, actually, at many points in the movie, you said bizarre things. But at one point, you said something... It's usual night, Tuesday night for us. At one point, you said something especially bizarre. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Foley, played by one Edward Murphy, yes, encounters primarily two California cops, a middle-aged cop and a younger cop. And you said both cops reminded you of yourself. When they were having a dumb conversation... I mean, yeah, and also the older cop punches Eddie Murphy for no reason. So that, that's that's kind of like no, you. that's not like me. I'm not a racist cop. <laughs> that's the, I, you punch people. No, I don't punch people. I've never, I've never punched any. Uh, I've never punched anybody in anger in my life. In what, accident, what, what in about, accident, maybe. What about the story you told in me? In play, sure. What about that story you told me about Simon Graysmith in sixth grade? No such person who went to my middle school. But uh, with with this, so they're having some dumbass conversation about like meat, like being bad for you, and the older cops just not having it, and the younger cops just trying to interject his dumb opinions on shit. And I, I just thought to myself, I've been both of these people in a conversation, sometimes in the same day, probably. Sometimes in the same conversation. Sometimes you, I'm just you, talking to myself. You like Donald Duck and 
in Bugs Bunny yourself, where suddenly you switch roles. Yeah, I'm just I'm just going around arguing with myself. Somehow, somehow, like t- two Anyas are coming out, each dressed slightly differently, and just remonstrating with one another. That'd be your dream. <laughs> and I'll say no more about that subject. <laughs> we'll close the book on that. <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else is there to say about Beverly Hills Cop. What I mean, how do you think it holds up for you? The whole appeal of the movie, whatever appeal you feel it has, I think rests entirely on the charm of Murphy's performance. I I concur. And how do you think that holds up? It's largely great. Yeah. There's some homophobic elements. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. But generally, he's very charming. He's amusing. It's not ha-ha funny, but you're rooting for him, and you're kind of like, well, I guess we'll just follow this guy around. He's interesting, and that's kind of the movie. Let me ask you this. When we're talking about the movie and how its creative choices sometimes aren't especially interesting, do you have any recollection or did you see either of the two sequels? Uh, no. Okay, I'm, I'm just curious. If suddenly it's 1987, Anya Kane is in charge of making the Beverly Hills Cop sequel, what would you do to make it fresh and original and alive? Do we have to go to Beverly Hills? I'm assuming we have to go to Beverly Hills because that's in the name. You know, I, you could change it to London Cop, Paris Cop. That doesn't or, sound as good. Or you would have one of the California cops go to Detroit. And he's your Beverly yeah, Hills Yeah, maybe cop. maybe you have one of the maybe you have the California cops go to Detroit and they have to be the fish out of water and, and, and Eddie Murphy's in his element, but maybe he's he's maybe this time he has to do things a little bit more by the book, and so he's learning something, too. Because basically the Beverly Hills cop sequels were basically, well, he just goes back to Beverly Hills, and right. he, he meets the same supporting cast, and it's like, why? I think if you wanted to do that, you should have them at the end of this movie or at the beginning of the sequel, like, hire him, because they're like, okay, you kind of came in and fucked up our shit, but you got results. That was the biggest drug bust ever. We want you to keep doing this, keep cleaning up our town. And and then he's having to get used to that. If you wanted it, because that's more, that's better than just, oh, I'm, I'm, you're on vacation again. Oh, no, shit's happening. I haven't seen Beverly Hills Cop 2 for a, a while. Uh, as I recall, one of his friends gets shot and, and he has to go to Beverly Hills to investigate. <laughs> well, obviously, I, I remember there's a scene where he humorously extorts his way into a free place to stay. And it's just basically the same picture. Only much less interesting round two. I feel, yeah, that you, you have to do something a little bit different for this kind of sequel. Because I feel like otherwise, I mean, this is not a concept. We just watched uh, the Back to the Future trilogy. And that's that's kind of like an intricately dis- constructed sort of, you know, you kind of feel like everything's where it needs to be for the most part. So I think, you know, that repetition sort of like feels thematic. Whereas in this series, there's no reason for it to be repeating. It would be better if the if the California cops were like, Wait, turns out we didn't get everyone in that crime ring. There's some people back in Detroit. That's probably where your friend was going. or so, You know, like, and like th- then have it be flipped, I-, I think. Because it's also like he obviously, he's fine in Beverly Hills. He's like doing what he wants. He, he You know, it's not like, it's. I mean, what else do you do? What else do you have him do there? It's just like he's just kind of making shit happen. He's, he's Yeah, exactly. It's not like, okay, now I got to level up and go to the really fancy part of Beverly Hills. <laughs> it's like, you already did it. You got it, man. 
yeah, they, they should have done it in Detroit. And they could have had it so, like, at some point, plot reasons, they have to go to Beverly Hills if you want to get some of those Beverly Hills shots and have some sort of, like, fancy fancy shootout at a fancy mansion. You could have still done that, but still maybe kind of kept the focus on, on Detroit. And the name still makes sense because the Beverly Hill cops are there. So is he the Beverly Hills cop? <laughs> Because, I mean, he, 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 like, I guess he becomes one because he's doing police work there. <laughs> so, like, I was waiting like, so, at the end. I'm so dumb. I was waiting at the end for someone to be like, yeah, man, you you turn out to be a real Beverly Hills cop. And then, like, Eddie Murphy turns around and smiles. And then that's the end of the picture. That's how you would have ended That's it. how I would have ended up. Just a cinematic genius moment. <laughs> Gotta get the title in there. People are gonna forget. Do you like Eddie Murphy generally? I mean, yeah. I, I remember. I remember. See, you know, I'm a millennial, so when I was growing up, a lot of his movies were kind of like the silly kind of kids movies, like you know what I mean. So I, I was like, oh, he's that guy in all the kids movies. And then when I watched this, I was like, oh yeah, okay, I, I get why he was. I get he was why hot. I would get why he was the hot commodity. You know, big biggest you know comedian. You know, in the '80s, probably or at least you know for a time. Uh, so I got it. I got more because he has more of an edge, you know. Like you, you can't, you know, yeah. He, he got the money, right? He got the, the Disney money, and you know, good for him or whatever. But that that stuff is kind of just, you know, much more silly, less of an edge. Here you have the edge a little bit, and you're like, okay, I can see it. You showed me some of his stand up, very funny. So you were talking about how the movie ends with a shootout at a mansion, and it occurs to me, a spoiler alert. So at the end of the picture, they storm this millionaire's mansion. This millionaire is a respected business leader in the community, well-known as a, as a patron of the arts. And it becomes a bloodbath where many of his bodyguards are shot to death by the police. And in fact, the millionaire himself is shot to shot death. To death by not one, but two police officers. Uh, a Detroit police officer and the Beverly Hills lieutenant. And it occurs to me, and this is treated like... Oh, we the got him. No, no, this treat like the chief is coming. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. But it's okay. We can come up with a, a quick story to soothe the, the chief's ruffled feathers. Wouldn't this be yeah. a huge... Not just a local story. This would be a huge national This would be a story. media shitstorm. I'm not even going to mention like a modern day celebrity because I feel like that would be horrible. Uh, yeah, and also, and also, I think like you know, like in this in this movie, we're going okay, good. They're lying. They're protecting each other. Good, but like in real life, you'd be like, oh, people died, <laughs> including a respected uh, business leader. Yeah, just some troubling implications. <laughs> and in this movie, where you know, in like a lot of these kind of movies, you're like, ah, okay, fine, sure, yeah, that guy was an asshole anyway, but. Like, Obviously, in real life, that's not so good. Kind of, kind of gets you know. That's where that's where like these movies are you know a bit like yikes. You know, in retrospect, that they're not as yikes as like the rampant like homophobia in some of the scenes, but they're like yikes in the sense of like oof. Okay, <laughs> you should do things by the book. <laughs> you shouldn't just shoot up the art dealer. So here's my question for you. Let's say hypothetically. I wake up tomorrow and you say, Kevin, I'd love it for you to go to Dunkin' Donuts and get me some coffee. 
and I go to Dunkin' Donuts to get you coffee, and I machine gun and I'm killed. Oh, jeez. And so now, so the uh, people come to you and say, Anya, your husband's murder can be investigated by any fictional cop you'd like. Would you pick Axel Foley? Or would you pick someone else? He got results. So you'd like to see Eddie Murphy investigate my death? Well, I guess I'm just saying he got results, and he killed the bastards. So, sure. <laughs> Appeals to the vigilante in me, right? The, the yeah. kind of crazed, revenge-obsessed, angry person that I am. So I, I think you, you can't, you can't uh, dismiss him because he got the results. Solved the case. Killed the guys. That's probably what I would want. You know? The law and order people. You know they're going to fucking bungle it. They're going to get evidence tossed out. And Can't you, have and that. you know, if I'm brutally murdered and Eddie Murphy is investigating my death, you'd have a few laughs along We'd the way. We'd have some fun. We'd have a, it, would, it would be helping me with the grieving process. I'd be like smiling, nodding. Yeah, that's pretty good. You'd be trading <laughs> quips with him. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks, man. Making me feel better. You know, the law and order people, for example, right? The law and order. Columbo... He could do it too. But I mean, that would be if I didn't want the killers killed themselves, right? Uh, but if I wanted them prosecuted, yeah. Well, I mean, Columbo, half of his stuff is like, he hasn't Mirandized people, so maybe maybe that would get tossed out. But with the Law and Order people, you know, they'd botch the case and then it would be held up as like some sort of lesson on like pharmaceuticals or like the death penalty or some big issue. And that would just. Jesus. Well, then, then maybe you'd learn something from my dad. No, I don't. I wouldn't maybe, learn. Maybe culture and society. I don't need to be large. lectured by Dick Fucking Wolf. <laughs> I think Kojak could do a pretty good job. Yeah, Kojak would do good. He would do, and that, again, I would just be smiling. You know, who loves you, baby? Oh yeah, then that would be great. You know, you'd be thinking my death's the best thing that happened wow. to you. Now I'm single, so I can make my move. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> Who would you want to solve my death? Kojak. Uh, no, I mean this is this is fun. I, I, it's interesting. Like, did they try to make a modern reboot of this ever? It doesn't seem like. Wasn't it. there uh, some talk a few years ago about a TV series oh. where Eddie Murphy would occasionally make cameos <laughs> and it would largely be about his son? Am I dreaming oh, that? No, that sounds kind of familiar, actually. Yeah, wonder what happened to that. Uh, it wasn't made. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, would you like to see uh, an Elvis movie without Elvis? Yeah, because well, he really is the big appeal here. Yeah. You take Elvis out of clam bag. What have you got left? What the fuck does that even mean? That's one of your favorite Elvis movies. You take Elvis out of Charo. What do you have? You take Elvis out of the trouble with girls. What's left? You take Elvis out of It Happened at the World's Fair, you've got nothing. You take Elvis out of Girls, 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 you don't have a very entertaining picture. You take Elvis out of The Trouble with Girls and How to Get Into It, I don't think you'd enjoy that movie. You take Elvis out of Stay Away Joe, I don't think you'd be watching it. I think you'd be bored out of your mind. Take Elvis out of Jailhouse Rock. That's not a good movie. Take Elvis out of Loving You. You wouldn't be loving that a bit. 
take out of blue Hawaii, I'd be blue. Interrupt me, please. Folks, I had to cut about a, an hour of that out just for your <laughs> listening experience. I don't even have my phone. All that's just... <laughs> and I don't. you can't see him, but his eyes actually rolled back inside his head as he was talking, and it, it, it was pretty scary. The lights were flickering. I, I don't know what was happening. I didn't even get to Viva Las Vegas. No, we didn't. We didn't or Speedway. Did he ever go to Beverly Hills? Belvis? I don't think so. Didn't even talk about roustabout. Didn't even talk. Not even once. That uh, co-starred the great Barbara Stanwyck, if I recall correctly. So, what's your final take on this? I think we've I think we've wrapped it up, right? I think we've 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 well, once it. once I start talking about Elvis. Yeah, I think, we need I to get we done. need to bail. We need to fucking bail here. It was okay. Yeah. It's no Beverly Hills flop. <laughs> Fuck you. That was a good one. <laughs> I'm like having to look up fucking Weezer song lyrics here. I'm reduced to that. I'd say thanks to a charming performance by Eddie Murphy, Beverly Hills Cop, that's where I want to be. I don't get it. It's Weezer. It's a song. You mean from the Little Rascals? No, not the fuck. Jesus Thanks for listening this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kevin T. Greenley, who's no relation to me. He's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast, and you can find him on the web at kevintg.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mystery to me. That's mystery underscore to underscore me underscore. And at mystery to me podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast.